Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Good morning, church. Great to be here with you all. Um, I am going to be talking uh, about baptism today, and I decided I would take a little bit of a different start. Um, Some of you know uh, that I enjoy writing on the side, and so I have like a creative retelling of my own baptism experience that I'd like to share with you as an opener. Hopefully you'll be able uh, to laugh. Um, But before I start, um, you know, I recognize this is a little bit of a different message to do because there's a number of people in the room who have been baptized and maybe some who have not. And uh, and so it's it's different audiences, but I think the message is going to be the same um, for all of us because those who have been through the baptism experience, when we talk about our baptisms or hear other people share, Um, it kind of just takes us back to the original love, right? It says in Scripture, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And sometimes sometimes it's just good to go back and revisit those touch points in our lives. Um, I have a little bit of a different story. Um, Some of you have heard in previous messages that um, my uh, parents were separated when I was about four years old. Um, They were not going, uh, connecting to a faith community. And I won't go into that whole story, but what I will say is then in uh, 1982, uh, my father and my mother and I all confessed Jesus as Savior. And um, for me, I was six years old. Um, That can be a range for a lot of people um, of what year you decide that you want to say yes to Jesus. For our family, it was such a seismic difference between um, when we did not know Christ and then when we knew Christ. The marriage was restored, and um, yes, there was a lot of work ahead, a lot of difficult times, but even though I was six, it was a a very defining moment for me. Um, And so uh, God saw it fit that that was the time when I would experience uh, my baptism. So everyone will have different experiences. I know in this community, we tend to see that around teenage or older, but... um, I guess for me, um, we, we would say uh, the Baptists come for you early, so. So I'll share my little story for you. Um, I grew up in Maine, so there's some fishing and outdoor imagery in here, and uh, it'll, it hopefully it will make sense to you. Buddy Franklin led me down into the massive white trough with hot tub stairs and a heater that looked like my uncle's trolling fishing motor. Faced with plexiglass, the Bangor Baptist baptismal tank was kind of a sea world of faith, an aquarium of the repentant. A thousand people would watch, mesmerized by the swirling robes as people stepped into the water. Sometimes if you were lucky and you were watching, you would see the logo of the Boston Red Sox under that white robe or urban oil like the worldly things were still needing to be washed away. And oh, how the saints in heaven cheered and on earth when 
glistening new creation breached against the painted backdrop of a silent rippling brook with the purple Mount Katahdin presiding over it. The artist had chosen late summer, that space where hints of brown and red begin to peek out, ever lightly reminding us of our own impending winter of death. Some of those leaves were forever locked in the descent down to earth. When my turn came, a tan, pockmarked, slightly rusty metal folding chair was hauled out of the janitor's closet, clanged down the steps, and sunk in the center. That dimpled seat was a table rock in the pond, a perch for the penitent. A fly tread water in the back left corner. The depth was such that when most who entered, they kept their arms up as if they were walking across a fallen log, and then their limbs would get heavy and drop into the stream. As my foot felt for that second step, Pastor Buddy noticed that I was smaller than his previous catches, caught me under my, his arm, my arms, and lifted me to that steel rock that was higher than me. The red, yellow, and blue spotlights caught the ripples animating that lower half of the brook with rays from heaven. And I thought, ah, firm foundation for a split second. Then the showers of blessing began. My feet scrabbled on that smooth rock like it was coated with algae, like a real stream. And my body lurched forward, a wave, no, a thundering flash flood, no, a spring thaw breaking loose from the tub, cresting over the plexiglass pane and onto the gathered choir members on that Jordan bank. He had seen fit to give his, this convert a pre-soak. With frozen low birch trees keeping watch over me with no branch to lend, I went downstream, scrabbling for that clear edge of the plexiglass. No toehold was to be found. My nose was filled with that saving spring of living water. And Pastor Franklin eventually fished me out and placed me back on the chair. And we went forward with the traditional baptism by immersion in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, let's just say, I don't just remember the change in my family. I had a rather adventurous uh, plunge that I will never forget, a near drowning in front of thousands of people. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the other part that was amazing was my 60-year-old grandmother was baptized with me. She had been married multiple times. She had experienced trauma as a child with her father leaving the family of seven kids and his wife. She was addicted to alcohol. She was a chain smoker. And it just took a question from me one day when she was visiting where I said, Grandma, when, when I die and you die, we'll be in heaven together. And she ran out of the room crying, and I never understood why until... I found out later that she had never had a relationship with Christ. She confessed Jesus in 1982 as her Savior as well. 
And from that day onward, she began to experience victory over the demons in her life. She turned away from turning to the bottle. She stopped her chain smoking. And she began to go to church with me. And for the rest of my school life, I experienced a faith community with my grandmother by my side, learning about the faith beside me. And she would pass away later in my senior year of high school. The changed life that comes from saying yes to Jesus can happen at any age, in any situation, as messy as it may be, and even in the experience of saying yes to Jesus. may be difficult, but the rewards are eternal. Now, I have to say later, when I was a teen, there was a summer that I remember every night, tears soaking my pillow because I was struggling with sin and doubt and difficulties in my life. And I remember later in my 20s, I walked away from the church for a while because I'd been hurt by the institution. But you know, having that moment, that placeholder to look back to, gave me an anchor to realize that my faith was in saying yes to Jesus, not to people, not to the church, because people let you down. But behind it all is the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Another, while I was preparing for this message, I saw a picture on Facebook of um, Elkhart Jail Ministry. And here they didn't have a tub or a stream. They have bottles of water. And these women just recently were baptized. And some of them, they, they don't know what they're going to do when they come back to regular society. Some of them feel like all of society had given up on them, but they knew the one who had not. And they confessed Jesus as Lord, and they had a baptism this week in the Elkhart Jail. And when they were asked, what does Jesus mean to you? This is what they responded. They had, um, like, there's, I have a list here in the slides. Um, they said, uh, he's our friend. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's the one who sees us, knows us, and still loves us. So whether you're six years old and your family's divided and broken, or you're whatever age these ladies are and they're in jail and they don't know the next turn, whether you're 60 years old and, and you just have been self-medicating for decades, what does it mean for us to turn and say yes to Jesus the one who sees us, knows us, and still loves us. What's so striking to me is the first time God is ever named by a human being in Scripture is by the slave woman who is a slave woman to Abraham, and she's out in the wilderness. She's hit the end of the road, and she calls the Lord Belerahai, or which means like, um, uh, you are the God that sees me. She called out and said, yes, Lord. Who is Jesus to you? While this church may practice immersion to celebrate the public profession of Jesus Christ, we see people being poured on, sprinkled on, dunked three times forward by all manners, in hot tubs, in pools, in streams, in cattle tanks. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a symbol, but it's more than a symbol. The method in my book is not always as important 
as what is in the heart and what's happening when we say yes to Jesus. And I know that just for a word for people in the church, sometimes we get into these big debates about the hows and, and the wheres, and, and we forget that really the question is, why bother? When we say yes to Jesus and we do a public profession through baptism, we are joining in with thousands of years of believers saying yes. We are following what Jesus modeled by what Jesus taught us, by what has been practiced by all who have gone on before us. We forge a global bond with people around the earth where for 24 seven there are believers praising the Lord and committing their lives to Jesus alongside of us. I've had the opportunity to walk with believers who are being baptized in snowmelt in Inner Mongolia. I've sat with Ethiopian leaders who, under the threat of communism, were baptizing people in tubs in hotel rooms above meetings of the Communist Party. I've had the opportunity to sit with Indian believers who get baptized and then they get persecuted by Muslim and Hindu people who have burned their churches down but they still make a public profession because they need that moment to remember and they want to be faithful to what the Lord has called them to do. To that which is happening in their heart also takes expression through their words and through the actions of their bodies. Amen? And so I'd like to just take one moment and look at the passage that we're working with today. And it's from Romans 6. And this word, I think, is for, I mean, he's writing to believers, but I also believe he's, Paul is writing to um, unbelievers. It, it works for all of us. He goes on and he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? He, he's saying, listen, like, some of you have been baptized and confessed Jesus as Lord, and you really haven't allowed yourself to actually live into that new identity. And then I would say that there's another word over here for those who are saying, I've never said yes to Jesus. I continue to wallow. You continue to self-medicate, and you haven't turned to the one who can bring healing and hope. And our God is long-suffering. He is patient. Why do you want to take advantage of that, he's saying. And as a Greek professor uh, would have said here, um, the place where he says, of course not, is actually quite um, strong. In Greek, he's saying, hell no, don't keep doing this, okay? There's a double layer of meaning here, right? Baptism is that outward sign when we've embraced Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And so he goes on to say, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. This idea, excuse me, this idea of going down into the waters is a visual image. This pouring out this washing of water is like going under the waves of death, going with Christ into his death. And then he extends this right hand. He extends his spirit. 
and he raises you up out of the waters of life and he gives you new life. He takes the rocky, the rocky, stony heart that's in you and he turns it into a heart of flesh. He does amazing and miraculous things to the most difficult situations. And I want to encourage you that even if you've grown up in the church your whole life and you kind of feel like you don't have this really amazing, stellar, like uh, conversion story, you know, hey, I was six, like how much, how much bad could I have done as a six-year-old? Maybe take my friend's toy? I, I don't know, but you still have this sense of the way that you have treated people. And I had an awareness of not only the sins that I have committed, commission, sins of omission that have happened around me, or I have awareness of the brokenness in my own family around me. We all can point to places where we fall short. We're dying the little deaths, and we desire to be resurrected, to be lifted up. And so I want to talk briefly about kind of this key component of the Christian faith, and that is the way downward. You see, the moment that the Christian life pivots on is that moment of repentance, that time in which we acknowledge that we have done wrong, wrong has been done against us, and we live in a broken world. In order to experience transformation, we have to acknowledge the places where we need transformation, where we need new life, where we need freedom and victory. To repent is to turn, to change direction, to admit that things have gone sideways by our own doing and what has been done against us. We say sorry to God for the ways that we have behaved, and we begin to seek reconciliation by those with those around us, and we begin to realize that there are things that have been done to us that we will never be able to shed unless we experience the healing power of Christ in our hearts. I want to give just a quick hint that I've learned while living life. So often when I get conviction from the Holy Spirit, you know, hard words are said. I mean, even just last week about sexuality and, and the place of sex within marriage and outside of marriage, and hard things are said, and suddenly I just get all bristly, and I'm like, wait a minute, like, what are you, what are you saying to me here? And then I realize, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't be angry at the messenger but I should be aware that the messenger of the Holy Spirit is pricking me and making my conscience tender again. You see, in Peter's message after Christ's resurrection in Acts 2, he turns to a multitude of people who are seeking God already and says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John writes in his first letter that if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from wickedness. If we claim that we have not sinned, then we are calling God a liar and his word has no place in our hearts. This is really a hard message for some people to hear. I know that when Jesus spoke this way, sometimes disciples would say, ah, I don't know if I want to keep following him. Because what it means is not only am I baptized into Christ's death, I'm also baptized into my own death. 
I'm putting to death things that I hold dear in my heart. Now, this is where I want to, again, make sure, you know, some of you don't even know me. You, you haven't spent time with me. Hear my heart. I've been with the church a while. I may not come from a church background at an early age, but I've been with it a long time. And I need you to hear me and not miss what I'm trying to say here. Message around sin and baptism in some church context has been done through a message of toxic shame and condemnation and a constant beating over the head of all the ways that you are unworthy. And in fact, the environment that brought me to Jesus many Sundays would turn around and say, but you haven't done enough. And they would continue to push for yet another conversion or another confession or another repentance. And I rebuke that. And I believe that's the position of a store. I'll let Gene clean up my mess if I'm making a mistake. That's the great thing about not being on staff. I can poke the hornet's nest and they deal with the bees. But So are you hearing me? There are times when this message is given from a position of toxicity. It's manufactured. You scare people into a relationship with God. You place fear. Now hear me, this is not replacing awe and holiness. I'm talking about fear and unhealthy shame. But God has wired us to experience something called healthy shame. And that's that conviction or guilt that you experience when you know you've done something wrong. Come on, guys. Guys that are married, you know what I'm talking about. You know when you've done something wrong, right? All right. You know, it's that natural feeling of guilt. It's a signal that God put in our heart that we need to make something right. And we want to change because we desire a relationship with someone we love and loves us. That's a healthy kind of shame. That's the response that we're giving when we say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've fallen short. Please come and be my Savior. Some of you really need to hear that today. And so we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and we bow down. We lay everything down. We lay our lives down. We lay our livelihoods down, our relationships. This free gift that the church talks about so much, it will cost us everything, but in its place, we receive so much more. And so the way downward is the way upward, because we come back up out of the water and we say yes to Jesus. He lifts us up. He takes us out of the miry clay and sets us on a rock. We were raised up, it says in Scripture, and we sit at the right hand of the Father. We don't just receive the gift of salvation. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We begin to experience a loving relationship that can be filled with peace and hope and joy and love. We receive even this this seal of the Holy Spirit, or we become uh, a child of God. I, I actually, I found a list. It's not the whole list. We can let that scroll. But when we, when we say that the way downward is the way upward, these are the things that happen, that we begin to experience, and we spend the rest of our lives learning how to live in the fullness of these things. 
to be called, to be sanctified, to be set free, to be healed by his wounds, to be a citizen of heaven, free from sin and death. I mean, if you are in this group and you've been baptized and you've kind of just forgotten the joy of your salvation, rest in these things. Maybe, maybe this is a time where you just give a rededication to the Lord when we have our prayer time in your spot or come forward. Um, it, I, I wouldn't even say it's a problem if you want to be rebaptized again. That's okay. And then those who haven't said yes to Jesus, why would you not want these things? And I'm not saying this out of shame that's toxic, that's trying to force you to do something so that you, you're just doing it out of fear. I'm sharing this because I've seen the hand of God move in my own family and in my own life, and it's never been the same. And I would never trade it for the world, even though it's come sometimes in difficult ways. So in closing, whether it's on a folding chair in front of hundreds or a bottle of water in a cell or a cattle tank on the front lawn of her store, have you driven a stake in the ground that has a flag of surrender and victory flying from it? When we have this time of worship together with the worship team here at the end, are you able to remember where you stand in life and look back and think about your confession of Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you believed in your heart that Jesus is Savior? And have you had the opportunity to celebrate with other people about it, not just kind of keep it to yourself and quiet? Some of us need to go into this week remembering that the planted flag is in our life and we need to reorient it. The scripture sometimes calls it um, a rock of Ebenezer where you raise up rocks of remembrance for what God has done in your life. Have you put that foundation stone down where you can raise up a rock of remembrance? I think what I'd like to do now is, um, while the worship team's getting ready, um, I'd like to go ahead and just kind of offer a prayer of blessing over you. It might lead into a, uh, a time of worship and a chance for some of you to maybe come forward for further prayer. This came to me while I was listening to the song about... Um, the goodness of God, you come running after me. There's a poem I came across during a time of rededication in my, 19, in my 20s called The Hound of Heaven. And Francis Thompson writes this. In the first words of it says, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears. I hid from him and under running laughter. Up vistered hope I sped and shot precipitated. 
on those strong feet that followed, followed, followed after. I'm so thankful that the hound of heaven pursued me through all the different chasms and valleys and mountains that I've experienced. And I invite you to experience the same. Heavenly Father, what a gift it is to be loved by you. I pray, Lord, that you will meet each person in their space, in this place, that you'll hold their hearts and their minds and their bodies, and you'll let them just be filled with a deep and abiding sense of your love. Allow them, Lord, like flowers in the field, to turn their faces towards the sun and to turn their lives towards you and to make a commitment to follow you, to recommit to follow you, to wrestle with what it means to be a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity and this honor to share a word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.